want to talk a little bit about vision. And uh, when I think of vision, it goes in all different directions, even from a biblical standpoint. But let's just think in your mind what you think of when you say vision. And let me pray, and then we'll get into the word about what we want to see from the vision for today's service. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to come to you this morning and ask you to take direction in this uh, particular service. We want to know that, Lord, what we're doing is a, a praise and worship to you. We want to glorify your name in all that we say and do. We've had a great service so far this morning, and we want it to continue until the final amen and until the doors are locked and we go home to walk out everyday life what we've learned from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God. So guide us in a great way this day. Use us to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When we say vision, you don't know. Everybody's thinking all different ways. Even the word vision in the Scripture is used to cover a lot of different applications or different uh, ways of thinking about that vision. Now really today I'm not talking about vision as far as your optics. Uh, a lot of people think of that. Whether you have what you might say is normal vision or 2020 uh, vision, uh, whether uh, uh, you're colorblind, whether you got cataracts, whether you got glaucoma, whether you need glasses to get your vision to 2020 or as close as possible um, and some of us even have relied on bifocals um, and to be able to see things close as well as things far away there's such things as nearsightedness there's such things as farsightedness um, I don't know which one's which it doesn't matter because I don't I wouldn't be able to tell the difference anyway but your optics will affect everything in your life, how you see things. God knew that. Amen? I mean, you know what? I'm thinking in, the, in, the, uh, in my mind as I talk about this, about Jesus healing the blind. And some of them, for the first time, got to see, if you would, other people. They knew there were other people around them. They first, for the first time, got to see a tree. They knew there was trees around. They knew fruit grew on a tree. They knew all, you know, whatever you want to say about it, but never got to see one. So you can imagine what goes through a person's mind that was, if you would, born blind, like in John the ninth chapter, and then his eyes are open for the first time. So those things are great. And even people that can see, there are people that have to have exceptional optics. You know, a surgeon going down a little hole in your... It, that amazes me now. They, they work on your back by going through a hole in your stomach. You ever notice that? They drill a hole in your stomach and they go down and snake down in there and turn on the light inside of you or whatever they do or uh, TV cameras or, you know, and it's on the wall and everybody's watching, you know. So you can't hide from a doctor because they have to have great optics to know which nerve they're dealing with or which muscle needs to be corrected while they're in there doing that. I even think of pilots. If you want to be a pilot, there's been a ton of people go to the Air Force to be a pilot or even to the Navy want to be a pilot. And because their vision wasn't good enough they didn't get to go to pilot school to become a pilot. Now, they could work on them, 
you know, or they can do other things around them, fuel them or whatever needs to be done, change tires, but they can't fly them because of the optics. They have to be able to see outside the, through the windows. They have to be able to read all the computer screens at different angles all around them. Everything about flying an airplane um, takes exceptional vision. So uh, whether your uh, vision's good enough to fly a plane or or whether you're just good enough to do a crossword puzzle. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the job done that you want to do. But the vision I want to talk about this morning is good to understand even if you're blind. You know blind people have a vision? Amen. Now you don't, uh, you don't think of it in that terms, but it is true. Well, when the Bible speaks of vision, it uses it in several different categories. I want to give you a few examples of them, and then we'll talk about the vision that we want to talk about this morning. For example, John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, how'd he get it? He got a vision on the Isle of Patmos. It's him and nobody else on the island. Now, it wasn't a big island. But the island's still there. If you want to go visit it, they'll let you take a boat out and visit it and, uh, if you're in that neighborhood. But it wasn't all that popular and not a whole lot growing on it, not a whole lot happening. But while he was there, he got a vision. You may want to think of it even as a dream or a trance, different things. But John saw things in that vision that God said, write them down. And he did. And it wasn't necessarily uh, that it was for John's benefit as much as it was for ours or those generations that lived in the last 2,000 years since John was given that revelation. We think again in Acts the 10th chapter when Peter saw a vision. He was hungry. It was almost dinner time and he went in to get something to eat. They said, sorry, it's not quite ready yet. We haven't taken the stew out of the oven. So it's going to be a while. So while he was relaxing and waiting on the stew to cook, he went up on the ceiling or up on the roof uh, in the house he was at, and he fell into, he called it a trance. And he saw a vision. Have you ever been in a trance? I know you have. I've seen some of you drive. <laughs> Amen. But he fell into a trance, and while he was in the trance, he got a vision of a sheet coming down actually looked like it was being held by the four corners and in the sheet was all kinds of animals and uh, the voice said rise and eat and of course you know what he said now I don't eat unclean stuff in other words um, I can tell you the whole story but the whole story relies on the fact that he got a vision amen he saw things that if you would have been on the roof beside him you wouldn't have saw it amen because it was a vision for Paul at that time. God went on from there to use him to, to do a whole nother uh, teaching in his career as an apostle or whatever you want to call it. And we need to be thankful for that. Because otherwise, we wouldn't know that Gentiles were allowed to be Christians. Peter didn't believe that when he saw before that sheet fell. He didn't think Gentiles had a chance. He thought only the Jews were going to get to go to heaven with God. Gentiles, sorry about your luck. You know, do the best you can or whatever you want to think. You're just on the outside looking in. And God had to reveal that through a vision for him uh, so that Gentiles had the possibility of having salvation in their life. 
Then we read in the book of Daniel and other places, Joseph, different ones, had the, the ability not only to tell the king what his dream was, but interpret the dream and what it meant. And then to see that dream come to pass. Now that's pretty amazing to have a vision that keen, and that can only come by inspiration from God. Amen? But without the interpretation of those different ones, even that nation would have been out of step with God. But because of the dream, the interpretation, and the reaction to it, guess what? The nation was saved. Amen? There are different uh, uses in the Bible of the word vision. It's important today to get grasp on what God is saying to us now and guiding us where he wants us to go even into the future. Let me say this real quick right now. Without a vision, you and I would not know anything about heaven. Say, well, I want to go to heaven. What do you know about it? If you haven't had a vision, you wouldn't know a thing about it. You would just be having hearsay or someone else. But to see, to see heaven, it takes a vision. And yet, as far as I can tell, most of us are looking forward to going. Amen? Because of the vision that we've gotten uh, to come into there. And, and when we get to looking forward to see what's going to encompass us when we get there eternally, we're excited about going. Amen? The vision I'm talking about this morning may be expressed in dreams, in hopes, in even trances as Paul had or Peter had. So when we were kids, all of us can think back to that far. It was only a few years. Amen? Many times we thought, what am I going to be when I grow up? Isn't that something? Now, when I was, I remember going, I can still very vividly remember being in the first and second grade, sitting there and thinking, you know those old people, you know the ones that are 50? Them, them old people, I, I think I'd be happy if I just made it to 50, because I was born in 1950, so I think if I see year 2000, that's probably going to be to where this world's going to be so bad that God's going to just call us all home. Well, it's beyond 2,000 by quite a bit, and we're still here. But we all had that vision in our head as what we're going to be, and I can even recall older people as I was coming up through the years in school. What do you want to be when you grow up? Amen. We all had those visions and different things. But without a vision dancing in my head, I realized that some of the visions would only come to pass and that that only be reality in my life if I made plans for it. You got to plan sometimes to see those visions come to pass. They just don't happen um, just because you have it in your mind you want to be an astronaut. That doesn't put you on the moon. Amen? You got to make some plans for those kind of things. We got to get closer uh, to taking the steps that that vision needs to have in our lives if that vision is ever to become a reality. Amen? There may even be some definite things you need to avoid in your life for that vision to ever come to pass in your life. Because sometimes what we do would be a hindrance 
or take us backwards from that particular vision. Amen? There were times in the Bible when God had to speak to a prophet about the way things were and what he wanted them to be. So they had to get a vision put on them by the prophet. Amen? Hopefully, you don't think uh, Noah just woke up one day and said, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to take 100 years. I'm going to build me a big boat in the middle of a desert where it never rained. What in the world? You would think of him as crazy, insane. What's wrong with that guy? I mean, for the first 20 years of building it, there was probably people around him scratching their head and pointing fingers and laughing. And let alone for the next 80 years. But he didn't get that vision on his own. God gave him that vision. And it was a vision that would change the course of mankind forever. Amen? So when Noah did the things that God asked him to do, we are the recipients of his vision. Huh, did you know that? We're all related to Noah and his boys. And that's pretty cool. Amen. So Noah listened, and he saw the vision, and he saw that vision come to fruition. Okay. So now you can see where we're going with the vision, so to speak. In Proverbs 29 and 18, the Bible says, Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Amen. Now I want you to know, we were talking in, in uh, Sunday school about Psalms and how much uh, praise and worship and everything is in the book of Psalms by David. And yet we think of what, uh, Solomon writing uh, Proverbs, how much wisdom and stuff he had with God and vision he should have. This is the only place where the word vision appears in the book of Proverbs. Huh. You would have thought he would have talked a whole lot more about it than he did, uh, especially uh, the way his life had started out and where it went from there. Amen. So uh, we know what Solomon was going to do, and he was uh, big on using wisdom, more so in his writing than he did in his later life. He didn't use a whole lot of wisdom there. I don't know why that is, but his vision must have come to a fading point. Or other people had more influence over him than they should have had. And in reality, it caused much trouble for Solomon, his family, and even the Jewish nation that he was king over. In our world, we use vision in many places as a place of setting goals not only for our futures individually, I have a vision and my wife might have a different vision. Amen. But it doesn't make any difference because she has a different calling than I have. Amen. As long as we meet at five o'clock for dinner, we're doing great, right? Amen. She goes her way, I go my way, and we come together when God calls us together. So we not only have individual visions, but we need to um, have family visions. We need to have, even if you're working, you need to have visions for your companies. You need to have uh, visions uh, for your church and all the things that we're involved in in our life. If we don't have a vision of where we're going, 
we're just operating under what you might say is a haphazard situation. What comes, comes, and what goes, goes, and it really don't make any difference. But if you want to make a difference, you got to have a vision. You got to set some plans. Even good parents set aside um, some money for the use of their of the expenses of the vision their children might have as they grow up. What college they're going to go to? Amen. Are they going to go to a trade school? All those things are expensive. And I don't have a problem with somebody wanting to get into a certain trade. If y'all, you want to be an air conditioner. Man, I'm sure in the future, with all this global warming they're predicting, we might need more AC unit fixers. So go to trade school, learn to do AC. Whatever your vision is, follow it. If you want to be a medical doctor, go to school for 15 years and learn how to be the best doctor you can be. But it's expensive. And so uh, with that vision, you're going to have to make some preparations and even set aside some money to help get that accomplished. See, visions just don't fall out of the sky complete. They have a starting point. And sometimes they have an ending point. And sometimes the two are years and miles apart. Amen? They don't come without some changes along the way. Amen? And from conception to completion, a vision sometimes has a lot of things that you have to reconsider. And sometimes even, like you would a piece of paper, wad up that plan and throw it in the trash and get a new sheet of paper and start over with another vision to get where you think you should be. When you decide to buy a house, how many own a house? Yay! What you have to do? You have to consider. What's it going to take to own this house? Wow, well, you got to have insurance. Amen. You can't have a loan on a house unless you got insurance on it. Insurance costs more than a house payment. Amen. Well, just about. And then you got utilities, and they add up pretty fast, too. Amen. Then you got upkeep. Amen. You got to paint it, put carpet in it, or you got to do different things. The roof leaks. You got to do something about that. You got to take care of it. And then, uh, let alone the, the payment itself. Then if you want to expand it, want to add a room, want to remodel a room, amen. Then you got to put furniture inside it. All these things come to fruition as you meditate on the thought of just buying a house. All you really want to do is keep the rain off of you while you're sleeping. But it takes more than that to own a home. Amen? Some people can inherit all these things. While you're sitting around with your vision of how it's going, and yet there are people that the probate court says, here's your house, here's your furnishings, here's your car, here's your everything. Somebody left it to you. Well, um, I don't know how much of a vision that er that particular uh, situation takes in. Personally, I think it's a little better to have skin in the game. If you earned it, you'll respect it a little bit more. Amen. I've often said that if somebody gives you something for nothing, that's what it's worth to you. Amen. So you don't take care of things as much if you didn't earn it as you did if you had a vision or had to work to see it come to fruition. As a church, we need a vision for our church, for our future. 
It starts with many times by each of us uh, putting our hands to the plow and saying, what's my part to do in the kingdom of God? In Luke 9, 62, the last verse of that particular chapter, Jesus says, anybody that puts his hand to the plow and looks back, amen, yeah. is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. So once you take hold of the plow, move your ministry straight forward. How many of you have ever plowed? A couple of us? All right. All right. I used to plow when I was a farm boy. I pulled six sixteens with a forty twenty John Deere. Does that mean anything to anybody? No, not really. But that's plowing. You're gone going five mile an hour across the road, and it's turning the dirt over just as fast as we can get across the field. Right? But I knew one thing. It was one thing to watch the plow and be intrigued by that dirt going from trash and everything on top of it to being turned underneath and fresh dirt on top. But I knew one thing. If I looked backwards too much, I'd be far, probably headed for the neighbor's field instead of where I was supposed to be plowing. You can't look backwards that much when you're plowing or you're not going to get the job done. One thing that all good farmers do is try to keep everything they do in straight rows. It's easy now. They got GPS locators and they get in there and they punch a button and the tractor does it all and they just go along for a ride and drink lemonade. But now it wasn't that way back when I was a boy. And I'm sure it wasn't that way when Jesus told his disciples, if you're going to plow, look forward. Amen? Well, we need to do that in our uh, ministries and everything we do as a church. Amen? So if you're not going to be uh, what God wants you to be, it's because you're going to look forward in the vision you have. Many times, your vision is going to be challenged sometimes by different needs at different times in your life. Sometimes the two witnesses, God's word and God's spirit, is going to direct you in other avenues. And even the devil, he's going to try to sidetrack you along the way too. That's his job. Amen. He'll try to get you to look away from the vision that God put laid on your heart. But turning back for... The things of God, that's just not an option. If you're going to have a vision from God, you've got to set your sights. And the scripture says you've got to go like a flint, straight ahead. Amen. When Saul was on the road to Damascus, he was on a mission. That mission was to get rid of anybody that had anything to do with Jesus Christ. If you believed on him, if you thought like him, if you talked like him... Paul wanted to get rid of you. Amen? But along the way, he ran into a different vision. Amen? God sent him a light that the scripture says is brighter than the noonday light. Brighter than the sun can shine. Amen? Now how bright can the sun be at noon? It can be blinding. I know um, I have cataract issues. I've had mine removed, and when I had cataract issues, everything was dim. Remove the cataract, now everything's bright. Amen. And in the, in the evening when the sun's coming down, and I'm driving, I've got to have the sun visor down. I've got to have the bill on my baseball cap over my eyes. I've got to have sunglasses on because the bright, they get so bright that I can't hardly see what I'm doing. But that's okay. That's the way I drive anyway. Amen. So we need to make sure that we get our vision corrected. 
And Paul, after he had that bright light, he, he actually blinded him. And the people took him on to the next town, Damascus, where he was headed, and he was blind. They took him by the hand, the scripture said. And there was a man there, there named Ananias that prayed for him. And it said that in the, when he prayed, scales fell off his eyes. And when I think of scales, I think of fish. So he must have had fish eyes. Amen. That's another joke. Anyway, here we find that the scales fell off his eyes. His eyes were open to a new vision. He started preaching the gospel. It started making sense to him. Amen. Sometimes we're headed the wrong way and think we've got everything under control. And God says, wait a minute. What about me? What about the vision I have for you? Amen? And vision, many times, calls for a change. And sometimes, change is hard. But sometimes, change is necessary. Every, even when change happens, you got to stay true to the vision that God gave you. I used to work for a company named Sears. Whew, I tell you what. And if you work for Sears, you'll find out that uh, uh, there's a lot of things about Sears that I didn't agree with. Amen? One thing I did learn by working at Sears, change is coming. If everything was good, they still changed it. If everything was bad, they had a meeting and changed it. And sometimes they would change it from the bad back to the good that they had previously before they changed it to the bad. But they changed on, um, if you would, a revolving constant situation. They wanted change even with things were good or bad, just if you would, the flip of a year on the calendar sometimes would call for a change. It just seemed that way. And as a pastor, I've learned some other things about change. And in the change that will come with a congregation over the years, then changes even today, they're kind of tough for some people to take. Amen. Can I let you in on a secret? We don't have the same congregation we had when I started pastoring here. Some of the people are the same, and some of them have come, some have gone, some that were here left, some have left and come back, and some, you know, it's change. Uh, and I know it's because of the vision that God had given each and every one of them that came, went, or other. Uh, but people change, but God doesn't. God stays the same. Many people come and, and many people change. And a lot of things that change people are money, power, influences, circumstances, but God stays the same. Amen? This morning, we need to make sure we talk to God about his vision for us individually, both in the long term and in the short term. There are things we need to do and we need to know where God wants us to be. Where do I need to be today? Where do I need to be going in the future? Needs to align with the vision God has for me to be the person that he wants me to be for him. Amen? I want you to know God loves all of us. He loves each and every one of us. And the Bible says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So when you get a vision from God, thinking how in the world is that going to be? Huh, 
Well, God knows how to take care of that. I know when I got saved, I just was happy to be saved. Amen. 47 years ago, I didn't think I was going to be being a, a full-time senior pastor. But step by step, vision by vision, year after year, march after march, wherever, and Holy Spirit after Holy Spirit, we're here today as what God has directed us in our life. Amen? So we appreciate uh, what it means. And we know Christ will be there for us no matter what comes or goes. And even when we think of the vision that we've gotten from God, um, there even needs to be in Hebrews the 8th chapter, or the 13th chapter, verse 8, he says that we need to share that same vision that he gave Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Amen? So he will guide you in whatever comes your way. When you have a vision from God, other people will notice. They will take note. You have been with Jesus. Amen. They can count on you to be true to that vision because they've watched you time and time and year and year. And when they see you true to the vision that God gave you, it may spark a thought in their brain to say, huh, maybe this is the right path that I should be following. Amen. They may even join you in that vision and realize <clears throat> the blessings that you've enjoyed by following the vision that God has given you. But by all means, let God be the author of your vision. Amen? The Bible says he's the author and finisher of our faith. You need to stay in tune with God. You need to stay true to God. You need to hold his hand as far as I realize that's a spiritual something. But you got to do it with a vision because God don't have hands. You can't just reach up to him like you did when you was a little boy. You grabbed your daddy's finger. But you need to hold on to him and the vision he's given you. Amen? You see, Noah wasn't looking for something easy when he built the ark. And it wasn't. It was a toil. I know how many of you ever been to see the ark down in Kentucky? You know how long it took them to build it? Paul knows. He knows the guys that were involved. Amen? It's a long time. And they had saws and electricity and lights and they had everything they, uh, lumber. No, they have nothing. He was in a desert. He didn't have trees to start with. He had to go get them. Trees don't grow in a desert. Amen. So he had a hard job to do, but he kept looking to God to see that vision come to fruition. Amen? So now it's our turn. Let's not only get a vision from God, but let's see it through to the ultimate vision of heaven in the end. Let's make sure we do it his way, do it the right way, and make sure everything works out to the praise, glory, and honor of God. Amen? And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.